Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell. I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 67 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and we are still talking about um, men and fathers and um, things like that. Um, and this week, we're, we're going to uh, pick up pretty much where we left off last week in our conversation with Brendan Taylor. We, um, that, was a, that was a great conversation, I thought, um, and, but it went a little longer than we, than we uh, uh, thought it was going to go. go. Um, actually, it probably didn't. It probably went as long as we thought it was going to go, but it was a little long for, a, for one episode. Um, so we just decided to kind of split it up after the fact and release it as two separate episodes. So um, so the, the part you're about to hear um, was recorded all at the same time, and this is just going to be kind of part two of that conversation. Um, so I think you're going to enjoy this, and um, I guess that's it. So let's just get into it. gears a little bit so so I've been reading this book and I want to I want to read a, a few little parts of this book and then I want us to kind of discuss them a little bit because because okay. so this this is a book by John Eldridge and if you've never read John Eldridge um, you should read some John Eldridge from what I hear he can get pretty wild at heart yes even. Yeah. yeah wild yeah. at heart even. yeah yeah so yeah. he his big book that he's known for is called wild at heart and it's he he has done most of his um, most of John Eldridge's work um, has been with men, um, so he's got some good resources. So um, this book that I'm reading right now, and it was it was written. Let's see, when was this written? Uh, 2009. So it's it's an older book, but uh, 2000. Saying something from 2009 is older. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's our dog. Our dogs come in to say hi. Hey, Sadie. Um, so the book is called Fathered by God. Uh, the subtitle is Learning What Your Dad Could Never Teach You. So this is a very, very good book, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a link in the show notes again, um, as I did last week, even though I didn't mention it last week. But I'm gonna read, I want to read a section and, and then get your reaction to this. So this is, uh, this is from, I think, chapter one, uh, which is called The Masculine Journey. Mm. So, and it's, a, it, it's three or four paragraphs, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read them. Okay. If you can get a group of men talking about their fathers, you'll hear this core longing of a man's heart. My father used to take me with him out in the field. My father taught me how to play hockey out in the street. I learned to frame a house from my dad. Whatever the details might be, when a man speaks of the greatest gift his father gave him, if his father gave him anything at all worth remembering, it is always the passing on of masculinity. This is essential, for life will test you, my brothers. Like a ship at sea, you will be tested, and the storms will reveal the weak places in you as a man. They already have. How else do you account for the anger you feel, the fear, the vulnerability to certain temptations? Why can't you marry the girl? Having married, why can't you handle her emotions? Why haven't you found your life's mission? Why do financial crises send you into a rage or depression? 
you know what I speak of. And so our basic approach to life comes down to this. We stay in what we can handle and steer clear of everything else. We engage where we feel we can or must, like at work, and we hold back where we feel sure to fail as in the deep waters of relating to your wife or our children and in our spirituality. You see, what we have now is a world of uninitiated men, partial men, boys mostly, walking around in men's bodies with men's jobs and families, finances and responsibilities. The passing on of masculinity was never completed, if it was begun at all. The boy was never taken through the process of masculine initiation. That's why most of us are unfinished men. And therefore unable to truly live as men in whatever life throws at us. And unable to pass on to our sons and daughters what they need to become whole and holy men and women themselves. Um, let me read one more paragraph. Okay. At the same time, there are, those, there are these boys and young men and men our own age around us who are all very much in need, desperate need, of someone to show them the way. What does it mean to be a man? Am I a man? What should I do in this or that situation? These boys are growing up into uncertain men because the core questions of their souls have gone unanswered or answered badly. They grow into men who act, but their actions are not rooted in a genuine strength, wisdom, and kindness. Mm -hmm. There is no one there to show them the way. Oh, so how's that hit you? Oh, man. The, oh, man. This. So, so there are there are two things, and and one is kind of like a, a warm up to the to the main thought that I want to have. Uh, early, it might have been in the first or second paragraph. There was the phrase, uh, "We stay where we are. We're, we're, we stay where we can handle." Yep. Yep. And we yep. and we tend to glaze over the rest. Steer boy, steer clear of everything else. Yeah, that boy boy howdy. If that if that doesn't describe me, then, that, then. see that's the that's the place in all this that that I underlined and circled and yeah right. So oh, so the, you too. Huh? Yes, yes. Because yeah. he say he says we engage where we feel we can or must, like at work, and st- and we hold back where we feel sure to fail is in the deep waters of relating to our wife and our children and in our spirituality. Now, here's the here's the here's the part of that that's weird for me. Okay. Right. I, I'm sure that the way he described that is true of most men. You know, they throw themselves into their work and they and they disengage from the the, the place where they don't know how to handle it, which is the relational side of their their wife, their kids, their spirituality. That's the that's the place where they are MIA. I'm, I'm sure that's true for most men. Okay. For me, it's the opposite. The place where I feel the most confident is in the, the relational side of things with my family. Like, I, I feel like that part of it, I'm, I do really well. The place where I feel like I can't handle myself is the work side of things. Mm. Interesting. Yes. I'm, a, I'm an oddball. Yeah, I said that in our small group the other night. Remember? Yeah. Yes, that is a that is an odd place. I think for a man in twenty first century America 
to live. That is, a, I think most men would look at, look at me and say, what the heck is wrong with you? Right. So I, I feel, I feel a degree of, of toxic uh, shame. Yeah. <laughs> around those sorts of things. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there you go. Uh, the the huge thing that I I think I got out of that passage is that there is no, at least in you know, post you know modern slash postmodern Western civilization, you know, however you want to say it, uh, there's no there's no ritual for adulthood. Hmm. There's no initiation rites for adulthood. Uh, especially for for men. Yeah. Now now and I I'm not an expert on women, so so please forgive me. None of us are, Brandon. <laughs> Believe me, none of us are. Uh, but but there is this. It's like there's this under this understanding, and I and I don't. I, I'm not going to say it's it's right or wrong, but it's almost like there's this understanding for for a female, biologically speaking the first cycle of menstruation is often seen as that kind of ritual for a woman. Hmm. You know, you're, how, however, you're, you're a girl no longer. Now you're a woman. Exactly. It's and like, it's, it's a, like there's this, there's yeah. this biological change that happens. Uh, and that's almost like their societal marker, hmm. even though that's a very, that's a very private thing. And that's a very individual thing. Right. Right. It almost becomes a, a sign to the society. Exactly. Like you just said, um, you're no longer a yeah, and we all know, you know there's more to it than that. There, but, absolutely, absolutely, but you're right. But I, I I bring it up because for for men, there is no biological marker. There is no, or at least none that none that's that evident, obvious evident. Yeah, obvious. Yeah, yeah. there's no there's no uh, biological uh, uh, ritual that happens with that. Now now for other for other faiths, this would be something like. The bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah for Jewish yes. Jewish kids. Yeah. Yes, uh, and and I'm not I'm not knowledgeable on other I'm not as knowledgeable for male initiation rites and other religions, so I'm not going to speak on them. Yeah, but I know they're out there. Yeah, different cultures have different ways of initiating boys into men, and I'm yeah. again not saying that's whether that's either right or wrong. I'm just saying they're there. Yeah, for but us, they're not in Western in the Western. World. Generally speaking, yes, yeah. they're they're yeah. just they're just not here, uh, especially especially in the Christian faith. Yeah, uh, and if you you know some some people may say baptism fills that void. Yes, but some say you know whatever that moment of salvation is, whether it's baptism, whether it's you know confirmation, confirmation. Yeah, uh, you know because because I was baptized at you know just from my own spiritual background, I was baptized at eleven years old. Uh, about the same time that a, a Jewish kid would have had their bar mitzvah. Yeah. That's kind of like that. Uh, that's that's just kind of like that age range in which, at least Christian guys that I know of, that's where we take on, you know, this new cloak of manhood. We we put on the new clothes so that we can grow into them, right? Sort of, yeah. So, something along those minds, yeah, that, yeah. that mindset. Um, but that's not really confirmed it's yeah. not really uh not really that well fleshed out yeah so, yeah and it's i i would say it's it's most often kind of inadequate because yes yes when i was growing up i grew up in the methodist church and i i went through confirmation in the methodist church when i was about 12 okay. which is that's the year that's the that's the age where they do that yeah 
and I I went through the the process and was confirmed in front of the church on Sunday and but you know my life didn't change at all. Yeah. Like it wasn't a Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't yep. I I did I I was not a man. I was not even a I will tell you I was not even a, a any more legitimate Christian than I was the day before because I didn't change the way I was living really. Mm-hmm. Right? And and in truth I lived a lot worse after that than I did before. Yeah. So it was not like it wasn't the the marker the the dividing line that we might hope something it like wasn't that the is. wasn't the guidepost yeah. that we that we thought it was. Yeah. Uh, man. Yep. Uh, there were, and there was something else uh, you were you were just saying it and I, it slipped my mind. I might come back to it. But all that to say that because oh th- this is what it was. Uh, isn't it funny how a lot of and I'm not saying, and I'm not blaming anybody on this, but isn't it funny how a lot of people looking for a new church want to find somewhere that can do all the spiritual stuff with their kids so that they don't have to? Yeah. Isn't, and I, I do, I do think looking back on my dad and my relationship with my dad, I, I do think that's why, maybe not why, but I think that's a part of why, uh, our relationship was the way it was, is that he expected other, he might have even expected other men to provide that spiritual guidance. Yeah, and that's that's our so, that's our. Uh, I want to I want to kind of take the heat off parents a little bit for that because sure culturally, that's sort of the way we just approach things. We just assume that mm-hmm. well, you need to be part of a church with a good youth program because that's where your kids get their instruction. So we get our catechism. In effect, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and of course, some of us would say, um, no, yeah, yeah, like you're, you do not have the right. I, I'm going to say this sort of apostolically. Oh. You do not, you do oh. not have the, you do not have the right. Like I'm taking on a little authority here to say this. You do not have the right as a man to farm the spiritual development of your kids out to a, a, a youth group leader. Um, most people who are honest about this, and they're not all honest, will tell you that youth groups mostly are um, centered around uh, entertainment and activity. Yeah. The, the idea, the unspoken idea is if we can keep our kids busy enough, then they won't get into trouble. Mm. Ooh. You know? Ooh. But you, you do not... Run. You, you do not... I'm, I'm not saying they can't be a really important part of a child's spiritual development, but the primary task of a child's spiritual development falls on the parents. Mm. And mm. many, if not most, Christian parents don't quite get that. Some of it might be their own fault. Some of it, a lot of it, I think, is just this is the way we sort of culturally in the Western church sort of approach this kind of thing. We, yeah. we because of our big expensive youth ministries we have sort of absolved parents a little bit from the responsibilities of, of doing the job themselves somewhat. Yeah. Now, like I said, the best the best youth ministries don't do that. And I've never met a youth minister who who didn't who wouldn't say one of their big struggles is parents who thinks that think that it's all yeah. resting on the on the youth minister. Yeah. Right. They yeah. need, desperately want, um, beg um, yeah. For uh, for parents to be more involved in the Crave in the process, that Crave. Support. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Anyway, so 
Um, shoot, where where were we going with this point? Uh, oh, also just just to just to get it out there, it's not just with youth groups either, but it's also with schools. It's also with any anything that the that you can any kind of program like for yeah me, for me it was Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts is another uh, one. Yeah, you know, put my put my kids in Boy Scouts and they'll learn some good stuff there and and you yeah. know just get them. I think I think for a lot of parents it's sports. You know yeah, we definitely. we have this we have this narrative in in our country where you learn a lot of good values in sports and so a lot of parents want their kids in every sport or, or if they don't want them there they allow them to be in every sport all the time. Because it'll somehow, in some nebulous way, be good for them. And I, I'm not arguing that sports can be good. They can be, certainly. Yeah. But those things are not a substitute. And I think that's what we're... I think we're, we're finding all these... Uh, we're farming our kids out to surrogate... surrogate parents in the terms of these kinds of programs and stuff. Yeah. And we need to... We need to... We need to retake the mantle on ourselves mm-hmm. yep. for that kind of stuff. Yep. I, I'm I'm convicted about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here just to just to finish the thought, and about, we're going back to we're going back oh. to that quote that I shared from the that research study and the first thing, the the thing the thing yeah. that determines whether a faith is going to get passed on is family cohesiveness, particularly on that on the part of the father. Mm-hmm. The, father war- the, the warmth. warmth. Yep. Yeah, there's that word. Yeah. Yeah, so you got to be engaged. You got to be involved. You got to anyway. Yep. Uh, re- real quick, just to just to link it back to this idea of initiation, and this idea of a boy growing into a man, you know, for with proper parenting and all that. Uh, the the fallout of that, as I as I I'm pretty sure I, I spelled out earlier for my personal case, the fallout is you know if. If there's not that secure attachment, uh, if there's not that secure attachment, which is basically the solid ground to stand on, and the yeah. solid ground of support, uh, if that's not there, then the son is going to go into their uh, dating relationships and their marriage relationship, uh, looking for that security and placing those expectations yeah. uh, on the spouse. Uh, same same thing with growing into manhood. If you're if you're going into marriage expecting that your wife will make you a man, yeah, oh yeah, that uh, that's that's no go, no bueno. Yeah. So Mio. he's got a John Eldridge has something in here about that. So he he says he says uh, a lover. So he's talking about a a, a real a lover of a man, right? Okay. A, a, a lover comes to offer his strength to a woman not to get it from her. Oh. Oh man. Yeah. Like, hand me that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not done yet. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll okay. let you do that. Because I, I, I have want, another I have another short little thing I, I want to I want photographic evidence of that quote in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that's that's a good one. Yes, that's it a is. good one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So so read one more thing and then we'll we'll try to tie a bow on this and wrap it to a close. Just oh. just, oh, just for okay. the sake of our for the sake of weary listeners. listeners. Yeah. yeah. Although you must admit, folks, the last number of episodes have been a lot shorter. Right? So I mean, when you get when you get more voices behind the mics, you it's, just... it's it's tough to have a real conversation. And one of the things I heard somebody talking the other day about podcasts, and they said one of the things that we need in our world that we just can't get anywhere else, where everything has been reduced to a soundbite or a snippet. Yeah. Right. And so we get little nuggets, but we don't get a. a we don't get a deep conversation, and one thing podcasts can offer is yes. depth. 
and rich richness and we, nuance. We yeah, nuance. Yeah. We need that kind of stuff. So, so we're getting a deep conversation about all this. Um, anyway, so let me read one more thing. We often speak of a man who's done uh, who's done this successfully. Uh, uh, this being um, kind of made something of his life, so to speak. Um, we speak of a man who does, who's done this successfully as a self-made man. The appellation is usually spoken of uh, with a sense of admiration, but really it should be said in some, let me see, uh, it should be said in, in the same tones we might use of the dearly departed or of a man who recently lost his, lost his arm with sadness and regret. What the term really means is an orphaned man who figured out how to master some part of his life on his own. And this is, you know, in America, like we, we applaud the self-made man, the guy that started out from nothing and made yeah. his way in the world and created a dynasty. And, mm-hmm. and now he's sitting on the top of some kingdom, yeah. you know, uh, entrepreneurial kingdom or whatever. He's got it all, right? Mm-hmm. And he did it on his own, pulled himself by his bootstraps, blah, 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 that's, blah, blah. That's it. Yeah. The reality is most of us just are not that way. We're, we're struggling. To, we're, we're finding our feeling our way along in the dark. As yeah. men, and, and 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 you can't just if you hold up somebody like that and say we all ought to be that. That's just never going to happen. Yeah, that's just never going to happen. It, we're not we're not made for that to work for most of us. Right, it right. Just, we're we're made for connection. Yeah, and we're we're made for, and and we're made for we're made to be people who are who are led by the hand when we're young and shown the way forward mm-hmm. re- relationally by somebody. By an older man who loves us and can and can guide us where we need to go. This is what this is the way God designed us to be, and so many of us haven't had that. Yeah, yeah. And I and I would I would just add to that. Well, not that I would, but I will add to that. Uh, go ahead. That, that it's it's not just it's not just that that we struggle with it, as if it were something that. We would ever not struggle with it, right? This is this is this is it. Yeah, this is life. This is to to be human is to be in need, right? And right. To, to act like you don't have any needs is to act like you're not human, right? Right. Um, and that's that's just, that's the that's the truth that that for me took a long time to come around to. Yeah. But and even even now I still. I'm still figuring out how that applies in my life, but it just it keeps coming up over and over I, again. I am too. I'm I'm 56 years old for goodness sake, and I'm still trying to figure this yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am still. I, I'm I'm and I'm a little ashamed of this, but I. He talks about um, unfinished men. I'm 56 years old. And I'm 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 still unfinished. <laughs> there you go. You know, um, and so this idea that you're just gonna you know, get to be 25 or 30 and have it all together. Mm-hmm. You can, you can pretend that that's the say, that's the case. You can act like it's the case, mm-hmm. but if, but for the vast majority of us, that's not the case. Yeah. And we posture and pose and hide and pretend. And we do that to our own detriment and to the detriment of our, of the people around us. Yeah. Yeah. That ooh, That's it. So, so I know we're going to tie up. We I know are. we're going to tie up on a bow. Yeah, you got something else? I've got, well, I've just got two things that I think will help. Give it to us. Help tie up the bow. Actually, it might be three things. Okay. But um, I'll, I'll let you leave the tying up first, and then I'll, I'll interject as I, as I 
as I see fit. All I want to say is that there is there is hope. Yes. There is there is hope for yes. this. There is a way forward. We we do not have to go it alone, as men. We can be strong. We can be wise. We can be loving, and we can be men of God in our world. We can't, but it's but it. it we have to realize that we have to take some steps. We have to realize it. We have to find some people that can walk alongside us. We have to be honest about. It, it's okay to say. I'll just I'll be the example here. For most of my life, I've had no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I just have yeah. no idea. Most of my life, I've, yeah. I have I have wished at every turn in my life that I had somebody, an older man that knew how to live life that could just. I still do. I still yeah. do. I yeah. still want. I was talking with my son a couple of weeks ago about this, and I said. You know, because uh, somebody, somebody we know—I don't remember who it was—said, uh, you know, you ought to be having, you ought to have somebody in your life who you're discipling, and you ought to have somebody who's discipling you. Yeah. And my son was saying, well, you know, once you get to be your age, Dad, you know, you're probably doing most of the discipling. Well, in a sense, but I, what I said is, I still crave somebody. I, I would love for somebody to be wiser and a little further down the road. Yeah. In every other way. Ooh. Mm. Um, that mm. could come along me as a as kind of a loving father figure yes. and just someone on whom you can lean somebody on whom I can lean yeah. yeah and and who you know has your back yeah yeah yep i and still i still crave that yeah that you yeah and i and i don't i don't i don't have that yeah and that that need and that desire is all the more reason to to reach out and connect whenever you can yeah um, man. So, uh, were you were you finished? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you go ahead, and then I'll I'll do my little closing spiel that yeah. I always do. I might, I might try to say it with you this time. I think I've got it memorized. Well, I don't have it written down. I normally have it written down in front of me, so I get, so I say it the same oh, okay. way all the time. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't today, so I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, do it. I'm gonna do it by memory, which means it may all crumble. Yeah, there you go. But you know, hey. Um, well, I, I do, I do want to share this uh, this little story. This happened yesterday, so I was, uh, and and this story is to just reaffirm the necessity and the impetus for this kind of this kind of work, this kind of well, I would say spiritual work. Uh, just just yesterday, I was I was at Dunkin' Donuts, or excuse me, I was at Dunkin' because it's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore; it's Dunkin'. Um, I was at Duncan yesterday with a friend. We were reading through a book uh, together. It's uh, it's a very interesting book. That's that's neither here nor there. As we were reading, we were, we were sitting outside because they you know because of the unprecedented times that we're in. Uh, there's no inside seating at this small little store, and we 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 were sitting outside and uh, just you know talking about our book and talking about life. And I see this car pull up, and I and you know it's it's one of those things where you're, you're looking at somebody, but you're also aware of what's happening on the side. And I see this car pull up, this SUV, and I see a little girl get out, and she's walking toward me. And I and I think she's you know walking toward me, but then I think oh she's just going to the door because the the door is right behind me. Well, she passes up the door and stands beside me for a second, and I I I try to you know I try to look at her and. Try to you think what what's this girl little doing? Uh, it took me a second, but I remembered who she was. This was a little girl that I had had in kindergarten when I worked at a local elementary school. 
Uh, uh, she was in the kindergarten class that I was assigned to in my first year. Uh, and now she is, uh, she just finished fourth grade. Okay. So, you but know. But she remembered you. She, she remembered me. Uh, you know, her, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I will say her name, you know, just, you yeah, know, just to keep right. it, just to keep it where it is. But, but she, she was very excited to see me and she was, you know, she kept, you know, she kept asking, oh, oh, I, I miss you, Mr. Taylor. You know, why did, you know, why did, why did you leave? Why did you, why did you leave the school? And, you know, where are you now? Are you okay? Are you, you know, she was, she was very, very affectionate. That's and, sweet. And I, I must've got like three or four hugs out of the, out of the whole time she was there. Uh, and she, she went inside and her, her mom was driving and, uh, you know, this little girl, she's very, uh, what's the word? Uh, very precocious. Uh, you know, she likes to get out and do things herself. So she yeah. wanted to go in and get, pick up her mom in her order. So while she went into the store, I had a little chat with her mom and her mom said, look, dude, she, she has such a hard time connecting with men huh. because of what her father did to her. Oh, wow. And the fact that she stood there talk and spoke to me and uh, and hugged me and uh, like she 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 was so she was so awkward about it too <laughs> you know you know just little kids they can be awkward sometimes yeah uh, she she like st- she stood really close to me <laughs> and and then she kind of leaned in and was like oh wait do you want a hug sure yeah let's have a hug so yeah we'll we'll hug and then we ended up like I said hugging about three or four times. Huh. Um, but apparently, you know, just 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 a snapshot of of real life in action. You know, her mom said that her dad left when she was super young. She never really had a good relationship with him. Uh, he he was never abusive. He just he just left and abandoned. Abandoned. Yes, yeah. exactly. And whew, and that so, little girl felt abandoned. So, so my heart's gonna melt talking about it. And when the heart melts, the eyes leak. So, so, uh, but yeah, she, and because of that, she's always had a, a distrust of men. Huh. A, uh, she's always been skeptical of men and for her to, uh, and this is what her mom said for, for her to speak to me like she spoke and for her to hug me as many times as she hugged me, that's rare. Yeah. And it hurts me to think that that is the case for so many kids nowadays. Yeah. You know, we, we can, and, and I'm, and I'm not saying this is anything new. This is how it's been. For a long time. For a long time. For, for generations. Yeah, and I would say there's there's a lot of adults yes. running around with exactly that same Absolutely. same distrust. Although by the time you hit it, adulthood with that, it's it's pretty well entrenched in your life, and you don't trust anybody. Yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. 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 Um, and just like that that yesterday, mm-hmm. um, really kind of got my heart ready for this talk today. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So that was one. That's thing. a that's a great story. Yeah. That's a great story. It, it, it man. Yeah. I'm trying not to leap talking about it. Uh, another thing, uh, working for again, this is me personally. The twelve the twelve step uh, voice uh, for right here and right now. Uh, what's what's really helped me come to terms with my relationship with my dad is uh, going through going through the steps. And and something something that I haven't told you yet, because uh, it it only happened Monday night. So Monday night after after the big group CR meeting that I went to, I felt something tug on me, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, after the meeting that night, I went to the graveyard and read my letter of amends to my dad. 
That's awesome. I was so, gonna. I was gonna. I, I was struggling with whether to ask you to talk about the letter. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm glad I did, and I, I wanted to. Uh, yeah. And, and, and so honestly, t- tell, tell, so tell the folks what the letter. I mean, you don't have to tell what's in the letter, but explain oh, I, the letter. Actually, I think I think it would be very healing if I did. If I not just read the letter, but just, just talk about the letter and then say what specifically. Because I, because I that's, think that's up if, to you. If, if you're okay with that, I'm fine with it. Okay, if, so, you, if you're fine, yeah. So let me pull that up. Uh, so, so while I'm pulling this up, I'll go ahead and explain. So, step four in the uh, in the twelve step program is to make a fearless moral inventory of ourselves, and in that we 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 list the things that. Uh, we list the harms that we perceived were done to us, whether intentionally, whether unintentionally, you know, whatever grudges we may be holding, we try to break down those grudges into why we hold those grudges. Uh, and the other part of that is uh, looking at the harms that we've caused others. Yeah. That uh, And again, you know, show ourselves some grace, but also some truth. You know, were these intentional harms or were these unintentional consequences of our actions where yeah. we thought, yeah. you know, we were doing the right thing or whatever? Yeah. Um, so, so then that's step four. Step five is, is once you've got your list out, you share it with, uh, well, the step says you share it with, share it with God, share it with yourself. And that's, that just means, you know, come to try to accept the things that have happened. Mm -hmm. Don't try to deny them anymore. Yeah. You've got them listed out and now you can move to acceptance and then share them with someone you trust. And in the 12 step group, that's your sponsor. Okay. That's. Uh, and on, and honestly, the sponsor is really like a parent. Uh, in this okay. in this journey, the sp- the sponsor right. is the sponsor is someone who's completed this twelve steps before, and they are now teaching you how to do it, so that you can. And that's actually step twelve. Just to fast forward, yeah. Uh, after having a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, you now go out into the world seeking seeking those who need healing, just as you needed healing. Yeah. And you try to help them the way that you were helped. Yeah. You know, you try to you yeah, try to yeah. be there. So you pass it on, and that's part of the process. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, step four is the inventory. Step five is sharing it with someone you trust. Uh, step six is developing a habit of daily inventory. So you're not just doing things from the past, but you're living day by day, and you're trying to right. you know reassess all that. Um, step seven. I, I see this where I get a little fuzzy in my remembering, but, uh, it's either step seven or step eight where you eventually have to, uh, you make a list of the people that you know you've harmed and you, you prepare to make your amends with those people and amends and amends isn't just, uh, telling them how they've hurt you, but it's also confessing how you believe you've hurt them. Yeah. And again, that can uh, and in my uh, in my example that I'm going to that I'm going to share, you'll see that it's not just intentional like physical harm, but it could be emotional manipulation, emotional withdrawing, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, bel- belittling, uh, gossiping, you know, all those things. Sure. This is where you you look that person in the face and you tell them, "This is how I believe I've hurt you." Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I, it was, for me, it wasn't that I had the opportunity to look my dad in the face because he's already passed away right. and he, you know, he's underground. So, uh, so, but I, I did go to the graveyard and I just, I, I have, I got my letter on my phone. 
So, so, so you know, and for the, for the benefit of our listeners, so I have known Brendan has been working on this letter for months. Yes. Right? Yes. So, yeah. So just, um, just for a quick timeline, uh, March, actually February, February, February was dedicated to, uh, that was my first draft of the letter. And, you know, luckily I had a sponsor who was able to offer some guidance on this cause he, cause this is something that he's done already. Uh, you know, he's, He's he's walked the walk and now he's showing me how to walk the walk. Yeah, he's not just talking the talk anymore. Yeah. Um, so February was dedicated to to solidifying the resentments that I had. Yeah. March was dedicated to solidifying the harms that I had done based on those resentments. Yeah. April uh, April was a was a finalizing, but also uh, finding the good things about my relationship with my dad. Yeah. And then the, the plan was to deliver that in May. Yeah. But then, uh, for some reason, a lot of life happened in May. Well, uh, yeah. You know, as, you, it, as it's said, prone to do. You said you just, you were, like, you struggled with this. I did, yeah. Uh, with getting it, getting it ready to where you felt resolution yeah. in, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you took an extra month. I did, I did yeah. I, yeah. I, I, took, I took time and I... That, and that's that's another part of the step is to make sure that you that you become willing. Yeah. That you that this is something you are willing to do. Uh, that you're not doing it out of out of compulsion, out of fear, out of out of other some other sort of disorder. Yeah. Uh, you know, emotional disorder or emotional unorder, if you want yeah. to call it that. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, so that was April, and then I had intended to do it in May, but then a lot of life happened in May, so. Uh, it, and it just so happened that this past Monday, so two days ago from when we we're recording, uh, that was the first CR meeting of June because the Monday before that was Memorial Day. Yeah. So they decided to, you know, usually on big holidays like that, they'll, well, some, some groups won't, some will still meet on the big holidays, but, but this particular group, they decided, well, we're just going to hang back with our families today. We'll come back next week. Yeah. So coming back next week meant two days ago right. for, for us here and now. Right. Uh, and that was the, there was just something about the timing of it. The, you know, it's, it's the beginning of another month and, you know, I, I didn't really want to spend another month, uh, what I felt like was piddling my feet. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to go ahead and just. So you felt the time was right. I, I felt the time was right. I had, I had done everything and I, had, I had meditated, chewed on it, prayed over it relentlessly and the time just felt right. Okay. So with that. So you uh, went out to the out to the grave, out to your dad's grave. Went out to the grave, and just to, uh, just to to list the things. Uh, and I and I'm not going to go into to a backstory on all of this, but yeah, yeah. But if you if you're listening and you know my dad, then you know what these things are. So these were the resentments that I listed out: uh, one for being sick, for cheating on mom, for embarrassing me in ways that I felt like he had embarrassed, had embarrassed me for abandoning, for abandoning me, for turning against, for turning me against mom, for turning me against other family members, both on her side and on my side or uh, his side rather, uh, for turning me against people of color, Mm. for putting me in roles for which I was not ready for being, uh, inconsistent, with affection and emotional support. Again, because it, it's not that he wasn't physically there. 
it was when he was there, which dad was I getting? Yeah, right. And there was, there right. was that inconsistency. Right. And out of those resentments, I harmed him in the following ways. I emotionally withdrew from him, intentionally emotionally withdrew from him. Uh, I would try to to play him, manipulate him into either either sticking around or trying to open up or connect or whatever. Uh, I became very critical and judgmental of him uh, in his presence and without his presence. Uh, I disrespected him in some cases. Uh, other cases, I avoided him altogether. Uh, I spoke malicious, maliciously toward him and about him. Uh, sometimes, again, to his face, other times with other people without him there, uh, which, which you know, grew into gossip or was gossip. Um, uh, then in some cases, uh, just evading him. Again, uh, I think I said avoided and evading altogether. So that's, that is what painted my relationship with my dad was, was my resentments for being so rigid and inconsistent that I started harming him in those ways. Yeah. Yeah. Now, out of all that, uh, there were still some good things about our relationship and that I, I knew he loved me and I knew that I knew that whenever he wasn't trying to play some other kind of game with somebody else, I knew that he was there for me. Mm. So even even though it was inconsistent, I knew the support was there. Yeah. Uh, and I also knew that if I, or I believed, I don't, I don't think I ever really acted on this, and this is part of emotionally withdrawing. Uh, I believed intellectually that if I did ask for help, whether it was emotionally or, or physically or, or anything like that, I, I knew that if I did ask that, sure, he would, he would want to help. It was just, did I have the courage to ask? Yeah. You know, did I have the the vulnerability to ask. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, again, the thing about the amends is that, or just recovery in general, is that God's going to reveal things to you when you're ready for them. Right, right, and absolutely. Ju- and just because I've, I've taken this step now doesn't mean I'm finished yeah. by any means because something else may be revealed later on and I'll, sure. just, I'll just address it then. You know, not, not let it fester for, you know, decades and decades. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but I, but I, I knew Dad loved me, and uh, I think I, I got a lot of my sense of humor from him. Yeah, I, I learned how to, uh, how to listen to people because he, when he, again, when he was there, he was a good listener. I, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, I, I learned how to listen to people, how to talk with people, how to, how to be with people. Uh, he had a, oh man, he had a servant's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he would often spend his time. Uh, so, well, not not all this time, but some of the time he spent away from us, we found out after he died that he was actually like sometimes he would he would visit uh, when he had the capacity to walk because the last the last ten years or so of his life he couldn't walk. Okay, uh, but when he could, he would often visit uh, old men uh, who who couldn't get out uh, invalids. Uh-huh. I guess not a proper way to say that but they but they were confined to home right he would go visit them and cut their hair huh he would he would like and i and i remember the specific set of uh of electronic clippers uh that we had at the house and, yeah. and he would use that to yeah to go cut people's hair to yeah. go cut men's hair the who couldn't get out for themselves yeah um he was he would he had a 
again, he had a servant's heart. Uh, he was a hardworking guy. He was, he, he made sure that we were provided for and, uh, you know, and, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, while I, and I regret, whew, man, I regret waiting until he had passed away to have that talk with him. Yeah. And which essentially is just a one-sided conversation. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, but Monday night I did get to deliver that. Yeah. And, and I'm in the, I'm in the wake of that now. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well, and here's the thing, like, and so we've been saying this for three episodes now, like our dads, golly folks, our dads are important to us. We need our dads and our dads for most of us are always going to be the central figure of our lives, regardless of what they did. Like we're even after they pass and we're all grown up um, or growing, still growing up for some of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our dad is still the person that we that we're trying to impress that we, whose love we yearn for. Right. Yep. It's, uh, this is a big, this is a big deal. I, thank you for sharing all that, um, with us, uh, today. Of course. I, it's, this is, this is, uh, I hope this is a little cathartic maybe for yeah. you. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it is. It is. Cause that's, again, like I said, that's, that's, that's the 12th step Yeah, is to, is to you know once once you've experienced the healing that you have, pass it on, yeah. and you know and that and that means what I've learned it's not just it's not just teaching somebody or telling somebody or you know quote instructing somebody on what to do yeah, but it's doing it in front of them so that they see how you do it right and it's right. Uh, and you know and sometimes they may see it sometimes they may not you know it's it's not really about them anymore it's about you doing what you can right. Right. Because really, we're the only things that we can control. Yeah. I can't control what someone else does or what someone else sees. Yeah. I can only do it for myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, we uh, hope you'll, uh, and I'm doing this by memory, so uh, I'm going <laughs> to stumble over this. Uh, we hope you join us again next week for another uh, episode. Um, if you, um, what do I always say? If you want to. <laughs> If you want to support us, we've got a Patreon page. Um, we, please check out our um, our uh, Jesus Society podcast Facebook uh, page. We got a mm-hmm. Facebook group as well. Um, we're loading our content on uh, YouTube and Odyssey, which is an alt tech um, uh, version of something like YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashtag blockchain. Yes. If you if you appreciate the show, if if the show is uh, useful to you, uh, please please share. If if there's something in these episodes. Uh, that has been meaning for you please share it with with other people just post it on your facebook page or, or whatever um uh like rate subscribe etc etc um, those kind of things help other people find it uh, as well um please join us again next week and remember you are greatly loved